Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest, the greatest edition of Nick's Nonfiction. Nick Muniz here breaking Don Miguel Ruiz's The Wisdom of Shamans. I'm about to end this man's whole career. Ruiz starts off explaining, Contrary to the stereotypical image of witch doctor, the ancient shamans were men and women who fulfilled several worlds within their communities. Philosopher, spiritual guide, medical doctor, psychologist, and friend. What's a shaman's favorite beverage? Peyote. Recently in France, someone was poking around the Le Triophilus cave. They found 20,000 year old shamanic cave paintings. And what was he holding in the painting? My favorite tool, B-Cubensis psilocybin. We're talking mushrooms today. It's a pretty rare edition. It's an inclusive show because both in men and were shamans. I didn't speak there. Seen as intermediates or messengeries between the natural world and spirit worlds, shamans treat ailments and illness by mending the soul. Sounds easier to take a prescription drug. <laughs> the shaman would take patients on a kind of mental or astral journey using the same energetic body as those who experience an outer body experience. It is during this journey when communication would take place with the spirit, a power animal, or even atoms and cells on the microscopic level. You're gonna learn your fucking power animal today. I have no shame, I'm about to be the guy walking around in the wolf pack t-shirt, the one you buy from a national park. I trust a guy in a gas station grizzly bear graphic tee more than I trust a medical practitioner in their creepy white gowns. A horse pack t-shirt guy, tell me how much cholesterol I have. <laughs> in Greek mythology, they had Sharon, a half horse, half man. He was an accomplished healer. I guess that makes him the centaur for disease control. <laughs> We're about to take a soul flight, ladies and gentlemen. The more you read, the less you believe in the <laughs> hardcore science. The uncertainty principle, there's a lot of things that just make all of the laws of physics null. Quote, the purpose of these stories is to implant a seed of knowledge in the mind of the listener, where it can ultimately sprout and blossom into a new and better way of life. I'm not trying to teach. We got a bunch of dope shamanic lore stories. And we'll get a positive message. A group of Hadabi hunters catch a camel. They kill it, wondering what it is. To find out, they ask the best hunter. He goes, it's not a fox, it's not a rabbit. I don't know, ask the chief of the tribe. He might know. They ask the chief. He goes, it's not a reindeer, it's not a seal. I don't know what it is. So as a last resort, they take the body to the shaman priest. They walk into his tent, find him sitting on a chair with a ton of smoke around him. The hunters, they finally ask him what it is. The priest answers without delay. Come on, guys. It's camel. You have to smoke it. Hold on to your hats. We'll be right back. About the author Don Miguel Ruiz. Fedipedia started out by calling him a neo-shaman. Like Neo from the Matrix. They were using it to slander him. Quote, his work is best received among members of the new thought movement that focuses on ancient teachings. So never trust Wikipedia is why I'm showing you this. They're trying to pigeon him into New Age, even though this is the most ancient of knowledge. <laughs> like the phrase New Age was coined to scare boomers out of spirituality. It's the same game plan with the Warren Commission when they invented the C word. Good spirit. It's why boomers are scared of real spirituality. 
Ruiz is listed as one of the Watkins 100 most spiritually influential living people in 2018. Some have associated Ruiz's work with Carlos Castaneda, author of The Teachings of Don Juan. This guy also wrote The Four Agreements. People are obsessed with that book, so we'll have to have him back on. I think my like philosophy at this point is a mix of Stoicism and Don Juanism. So don't trust me if you don't want to. I'm not a New Ager, whatever you consider that shit to be. If you sit in your room trying to manifest all day, nothing's going to happen. you got to interface with the world. My point is there's always something to learn from an ideology. Don't New Age! And then you move on because you know everything. You're going to learn something if you listen. Be right back after a meme. Another one. Chapter 1, Don Miguel Ruiz, The Wisdom of Shamans. Shaman. Quote, The wisdom you seek is inside you. Take a moment and feel the truth of those words. One of the most important aspects of shamanism is that within every one of us is the light, the divinity, or as my ancestors would say, the nagual. Each one of us has our own truth inside ourselves. The quest of the shaman is to find, live, and express it. So he's not like a non-materialist saying everyone's in their own reality. He's just like, you have a life that you want to live. So I'm saying he's less new age than some philosophers. Unlike some other traditions, shamanism is not based on hierarchy and deference to past teachers, or following a sacred text with blind belief, but uncovering the truth within yourself and bringing them out into the world to become a messenger of the truth. So Don describes a shaman as one who is awakened to the realization that all beings are life force energy and that humans are dreaming all the time. So like you got to be on the Patreon, but <laughs> bro, this shit is all parts of a whole. So I'm not saying Elon Musk is a hologram, bro. But literally when a hippie says we're all one man, I fucking hate it. It's true. Like... There's, they have twin particles in physics. They split them up and then they do the same exact thing. Non-locality disproves all of physics, bro. We are part of one light field. He said in that fucking quote that spreading truth is what a shaman is. Like, I don't... That's who I thought I was. I'm going to wake up the masses. And then you read the books that you were going to write. <laughs> like... Zarathustra summarizes this all. It's the book about awakening the masses. And then I've been rereading Plato's Apology. It's basically Zarathustra Part 2. So we know you can't really wake people up. But in Plato's Apology, he teaches about rhetoric. And he's going, if you could bring yourself down to the level of the masses, then you just have to convince them with likability. Like, facts and logic <laughs> truly don't matter. But people love news anchors more than they like their neighbor. Don Miguel, he's going in on his terminology. The manifestation of the relationship between your mind and your body. This is the personal dream. And then the second dream is the dream of the planet. The combination of every single being in the world's personal death and the world we live. So we got a collective subconscious going. And the more you let the news make you scared, the more the world becomes a nightmare to tie it all together. But he's setting up his basic philosophy here. There's the internal and the external world. Yeah. Ending the first point. That's why shamanism is so connected to the natural world that surrounds us. The shaman knows that all life is connected. And this doesn't just refer to the bodies we can see, but the space between everything as well. We are connected through the air we breathe, through the ground underneath our feet, the water that we share. And everything else, blah, blah, blah. The connection is so obvious to the shaman, but the illusion of the mind and its constant dreaming prevent many people from seeing the truth. It's duality and non-duality. 
So I'm going to sound like a yoga douche here. But, bro, we are fucking entangled. Like, they call it quantum super positioning. <laughs> you can call somebody and they're already calling you. Somebody sent me a meme recently, and I already had the meme loaded up to send to them. <laughs> I don't know. In the 1940s, Hitler and all of his buddies, they called the space between the ether. Like, every term has a word for it. We're becoming materialist tards. Science might be fucking us up, bro. The next point, he's going, we're all domesticated, man. So here's a definition of domestication. The primary system of control in the dream of the planet. Starting when you are very young, we are presented with either a reward or a punishment for adopting the beliefs and behaviors of what others find acceptable. Some Skinner action. That's what we're all brainwashed with. When we adopt these beliefs and behaviors as a result of either the reward or the punishment, we can say we have been domesticated. So, like, once you let people put you in a box, Nick, do an open mic every single night. Nick, write a book. Like I said, people wrote the books better than me. You get <laughs> washed up. <clears throat> the point is, when people put you in a fucking box, I, I'm not even a shaman. I'm nothing. I'm everywhere and I'm nowhere. <clears throat> once you start crossing your terminology signals with someone else, you start to get interference. Like, I'm describing it like a radio a psychologist would call it cognitive dissonance. It's why Plato was going, yo, debates don't work. Just be likable. <laughs> He's going to show us how we all justify our domestication. For example, when you were young, your parents likely domesticated you to be respectful and kind to others, to share and to develop friendships. In this way, they were giving you the tools you need to interact with the dream of the planet. The point here is that not all domestication is bad. So there you go. He's pretty level-headed. He's not the hippie going, we're all fucking slaves, dude. Let's break this fucking hippie shit up. One of my favorite young adult literatures, Divergent. There's five factions. You got Amity, that's kindness. Erudite, intelligence. Abnegation, selflessness. Candor, that's honesty. And dauntless, bravery. So in this fictional world, if you possess more than one attribute, you're rejected from the system and you become factionless. But eventually there's enough people outside the system that they become a divergent group. So the shamans are the ones who unite all the disenfranchised. I love that fucking book series. We're going to weave it back in. Quote, to make another comparison to Buddhism, this is very similar to the concept of the Bodhisattva. In the Mayahana branch of Buddhism where the Bodhisattva is the one who awakens but stays in the world and devotes his or her life to helping others. It's like a guru. I don't think I'm this. Like, I should fucking be a lift operator in Steamboat Springs. We see this care and concern for others and all the great masters of the world's religions, including Jesus, the Islamic poet Rumi, and many of the Hindu avatars from India. In each great tradition, there is always someone who has woken up and the beings that spread a message of awakening to help the others. Chapter 2. The Eagle and the Snake. This chapter about to be a Nick's nonfiction classic. Authentic Native American folklore and the messages find truth. A long time ago in the middle of a desert in what is now Mexico lived a powerful shaman who served as a great leader and helper to his tribe. When he realized that his physical form was dying, he decided to leave one final and very important lesson for the next generation. My time in this body is coming to an end, he told his tribe as they gathered around the campfire one evening. In the morning, you will have to say goodbye to this village. Take only what you need when you leave here. Everything that you don't need, everything that doesn't serve you in life anymore, 
leave it here. Tomorrow is a day of great transformation. Then to mark this moment, the old shaman threw some magic dust into the fire. It sparkled in the night sky. He continued, Tomorrow you will begin your journey to create a new dream, and you will roam the wilderness until you see an eagle devouring a snake above a cactus garden that will be the sign that you have found home. And with that, the old man dismissed the circle, and when the morning came, they went to the shaman and found that he was no longer in his body. They packed only the most basic necessities and started the journey to find their new home. The journey was not easy. For years they walked and walked until one day they saw a lake. In the middle of the lake there was a small island, and that island was full of cactus trees. Looking up into the sky, they saw an eagle dive down toward the island where it grabbed the snake from the ground. With the snake clutched in its claws, the eagles landed on a cactus. The villager watched in awe. The eagle began to devour the snake. They were overjoyed because this was the symbol they were searching for. That's what the guy said. They immediately began to build their new home. This was the beginning of the great city of the Aztec, Tetlotititan. Titicaca. <laughs> and that's where Mexico City starts today. That night, the tribe built a great bonfire, gathered in a circle just had they did on the night of the old dream. The tribe said thank you to the grandfather shaman because they had found their new home. But as they were giving thanks to him for his guidance, suddenly a bright blue light sparkled in the bonfire they all recognized as the grandfather spirit. Hello, my children, his voice said from the flames. I see that you have made the lesser journey, and now you must make the greater journey. Fuck, we just walked all that way. The tribe was confused, for they had spent a long time on the difficult journey to the location for their new home. What could be greater than this? The voice continued. The eagle is a symbol for truth, the snake is a symbol for lies, and the cactus garden represents the garden of the human mind. When the eagle of truth devours the snake of lies in the garden of your mind, then you will find a home within yourself. You will find your own personal freedom. The Symbols like, that's what conspiracy research teaches you all the symbols over time. You basically learn the new language. World War Three, Bro, it's a battle for your mind. There's snakes out in the grass. Which one are you going to feed? Nobody knows how the process works, but if you know the symbols... Like, to make it simple, you're either winning or you're losing, baby. The TV media knows how to make you feel like you're losing. Losing. They show you images of celebrities on morning talk shows. Behind the scenes, these people are unhappy, tortured souls. Mainstream media, it's mostly negative. Even music, they've switched it off the healing frequency. We've done studies. 440 hertz makes water particles unstable. 432, that's what you're at right now, baby. Like, even if you don't listen to my words, the frequency has been healing motherfuckers for years. Bro, the cactus... That's a life. We're all just sitting on a cactus. <laughs> and so are you going to feed the eagle or the snake? It's the secret from the 80s. They ripped off old Native American lore. The good wolf and the bad loaf. Eagles and snakes, motherfuckers. Bruv. It's all just like high frequency, low frequency. That's what all the new neo-shamans are on. I'm just saying make progress from a stoic point of view. Like, I gave up porn, and now my imagination is getting stronger. I don't know how that shit works. <laughs> but, again, there's pluses and minuses. By not having porn, I feel like my daily life is sexualized. I can't escape wanting to bang people in my mind. I feel like a chick pressing on my clit all day. But at least I'm not tugging my root to a screen. <laughs> this quote kind of starts out woo-woo and then ends up in my neck of the woods. Personal freedom... 
is when we are comfortable in our own skin and we love and accept ourselves completely, <laughs> even the parts we don't like. Personal freedom is when we stop trying to be this or that, but instead are content to just be. Personal freedom comes as the result of examining our mind's domestications and releasing unhealthy beliefs or ideas that we find there. It occurs every moment that we break the habit of our addiction to suffering. Like, we might not all agree with the non-duality points. Don Miguel Ruiz has got some pretty good self-help in here. Narrators also, he starts to sound schizo, Narrators are known as the voices in your mind that speak to you throughout the day. They can be either positive or negative. Allies are the voice of the narrator when it inspires you to live, create, and love unconditionally. The ally can also constructive self-talk. And then the bad side are the parasites. The voice of the narrator when it uses your beliefs, formed through domestication and attachment, to hold power over you. The negative voice causes sadness, anxiety, and fear. Give me the loosh! <laughs> So again, you could take it literal or not as literal. Like, I don't have as many suicidal ideations. You just know how to cut it out more, and they still creep in. It'll never fully go away. But I think I disagree with him here, though. Like, thoughts are just your mind farting all day. I'm going Buddhist on him. Thoughts are a byproduct of having a brain. You don't have to label every thought as, this one's good, this one's evil. It's just a thought, bro. And think about it this way. Maybe the bad thoughts are there to protect you too. So you see how he's getting a little too new age for me? But it's pretty coincidental. The parasite class has made the eagle a rallying symbol for our collective nightmare. The bald eagle. Bro, it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Everything's upside down. <laughs> the point of this chapter? You're always sitting on a cactus. That's fucking life. Oh, I'm gonna move somewhere else. It's another cactus. <laughs> While you're on the cactus, are you going to feed the eagle or the snake? Chapter 3, The River Man. Starts this one with the concept of silent knowledge. In the Toltec tradition, we have a concept called silent knowledge. And cultivating your connection to it can help you find the truth within yourself. Silent knowledge is a knowing that is beyond the thinking mind. Intuition. It is difficult to write or talk about because language is the main tool of the mind, but I will do my best to explain it. Silent knowledge is the deep wisdom that is in all things. It is the wisdom of the universe. For instance, if you've ever simply known the answer to a question without any logical brain, you could have discovered it, like when your mother can tell that the child is in danger. So, bro, like, I'm saying I'm not trying to teach, but I say things that you'll probably go, oh, yeah, that's true. Like, you don't even need to say it to yourself. You might nod along. It is when the universal wisdom that has always been at our fingertips is neglected to tap into, either because we have forgotten how to, or you don't have the language. Being able to see the next right action in any given situation disregarding the miatote, the noisy voice, in your mind, this is silent knowledge. So, like, I've done some id-ego, super-ego videos over on the Patreon, and, like, the voice in your mind, it ain't you. The listener in your, it ain't you. The superego, the third, the, it ain't you. You're a combination of all these things. <laughs> and bro, your entire consciousness might not all be on Earth. That's deep research, but he's kind of just saying here, you have the wisdom within you. <laughs> like I'm saying, a motherfucker can lie to you all day, and you still know in your heart what's true. Bro, I'm scared as fuck. I don't think it's true, but reincarnation, I'm not that scared of that anymore because it's inside of you. I'll wake up before all these motherfuckers again. Plato even said, 
existence is made up of two different realms, sense and form. So it's basically chapter one, he's going to say it again. Another means for ascending silent knowledge is to pay attention to your emotions. When it comes to making decisions, our emotions can sometimes be better indicators than our discerning minds. So if you're on too much fucking porn and TikTok, you're going to kill your inner Jiminy Cricket. (laughs) And it's deeper than that, bro. Like he's saying the outer world is a reflection of the inner world. The synchronicities go down when you're in a low frequency state. Very fucking spiritual woo-woo. Take some mushrooms. Quote. I recommended that divination tools only be bought in when completely lost. So so I'm saying you don't need the mushrooms, but these tools of divination, it's only when you're like fucking in a sleep pattern and you need to wake up. Remember, one of the core principles of shamanism is that the wisdom you seek is inside you already. So a tool of divination only helps you find the answers that you already have, but perhaps are having difficulty seeing. So I'm saying it goes along with my 50-50 philosophy got to do hard shit you can't sit at home and manifest you got to get experience a story on the river man <laughs> it's about a conquistador in the mayan territory he's a good spaniard he's seeing what the other soldiers are doing and he starts to get ptsd this is not the will of god this is the abuse of god the corruption of god and i will take no part of it So he laid down his sword, took his armor off, and fled into the jungle. Before long, he was captured by the Mayans. They began torturing and punishing him for the sins of the other soldiers and kept him as their captive. The river man would often come to the village to help take care of people. One day, he came upon the imprisoned conquistador. Although they could not speak the same language, the river man felt the vibration of this beautiful man and knew that his heart was pure. The river man freed the good conquistador and brought him to his home in the jungle, fed him. They began to learn each other's language. The good conquistador was astonished by the river man's kindness and inner peace. Once they had been together long enough to understand each other, he asked, How did you learn all this knowledge? I can feel God in you. God is in everyone, the river man responded, but sometimes you have to look harder to see him. The conquistador said to him, Teach me to be like you. The riverman responded, Look, it begins with understanding. When you look at both of our peoples, they are the same. They want happiness, but they create suffering instead. We have found peace between us. You and me communicate heart to heart. When every action comes from the heart, we end suffering in our lives. Little too woo-woo. It's exactly what I'm saying before. Stop trying to logic everything you got to feel it bro it's the heart <laughs> it's the most hippie shit ever but <laughs> bro there's cases of water brains there was this one honor student they found he had a thin layer, layer of brain cells and inside of his entire coronal cavity was spinal fluid this kid on the honors roll they did a ct scan he didn't have a brain so where the fuck is everything coming from <laughs> Like I'm saying, it's the parts of a whole thing. I'm not good enough at describing it yet. Bro, it's, you're not just your brain. So when you come at someone with your heart, everything goes more smoothly. Earlier in that story, there was one of the biggest things I've been trying to get across. The conquistador is like, yo, just teach me to be like you. And he's like, I can't. You have to understand first. Like I'm saying, I wish I could upload my mind I wish I could do your homework for you, but teaching is impossible. (laughs) 
That's why we stick women in the classroom. <laughs> the learner's mind has to first understand the lies and then they can open their mind. And that ain't happening through K through 5. Bro, that ain't happening the, in the real world. CNBC and hashtag science, they do our research for us. <laughs> Awakening. Chapter 4, Quetzalcoatl. Favorite topic of mine, the spirit of chaos. <laughs> we got a real Goldilocks situation here. Not too much, not too little. By the state of the world, I think Q might be on the loose. Quetzalcoatl is the legendary feathered serpent of ancient Mesoamerican origin. He was one of the most recognized figures of the ancient world and has appeared under various names and manifestations in many tribes in North and Central America. The name Quetzalcoatl is a combination of two Natal words, Quetzal, a bird with large fetters, and Cotl, the snake. In this story, we are also introduced to Thaloc, the god of the rain who is uh, not important. Bro, so you see how it's a combination of the eagle and the snake? It's order and chaos. It's a balance. The story starts with a little snake who's afraid of the light. Tlaloc, that rain god, he makes it rain for the snake so he's comfortable to go outside. At the end of the storm, the snake looks in the puddle, sees his own reflection. He sees the sunlight behind him. He goes, I'm not afraid of the light anymore. Symbolic bullshit. Now that he's no longer afraid of the light, a bird comes and picks up the snake and flies him into the sun. The snake and the bird fly into the sun and they create one. So it's like some eclipse lore. Quote, then something came out of the sun, but this being the emerge was no longer a little snake afraid of light, but instead the great feathered serpent Quetzalcoatl. He no longer needed the god of the rain to blow him on to make him fly. He had harnessed the power of imagination and transformed himself into something greater than he was previously by using his imagination and believing in his own power. Quetzalcoatl emerged from the sun, flew around the world, feeling the beauty, feeling the freedom of life and love. As he looked down, he saw the cave where he had spent his whole life and thought about the other beings in the world who were suffering just like he did. They did not know their true power. He wanted to be of service to them. As he flew, he saw the great city of the pyramids in Tetotitikan. He landed in what is now the Plaza of Hell and said, This is where I will build my temple, because I want to bring heaven to hell. I will take heaven with me to any of my brothers and sisters who find themselves in hell. This is who I'm here to help. Quetzalcoatl, he's a good guy. The pyramid started out as a symbol for hope he's going. And then with time, the corrupted Mayan elders would climb the pyramids and, you know, fool people into thinking they were causing an eclipse by making a sacrifice. It's a story as old as time. <laughs> so, like, we can continue the mass delusions or we can continue to evolve. This is what the transformation story is all about. He says, We are not born to suffer, and despite the mind's addiction to darkness, the Nagual is in you, always seeking the light. If you can find it in your own life, you will create situations that will push you into the light. So yeah, the opportunities are fucking everywhere. Got one more quote here. One lesson the story of Quetzalcoatl teaches is the importance of becoming aware of the parasite in your mind and the poisonous stories it spins. If we listen to the parasite and believe its lies without question, we will stay in our cave and never realize our potential, or we will remain snakes and never allow ourselves to fly among the birds. When Quetzalcoatl locks into the pool of water and sees his own reflection, he remembers the secret tools to make his life a work of art because they were within him all along. It's getting a little too hippie, a little too sobby. 
Like, ask yourself what keeps people in the cave longer. Fear or laziness? That's one of the bigger philosophical questions. Not even Sarté could figure it out. Why can't we get people to wake up? Are they just lazy or are they scared of the truth? And you could use that for every situation in your life. What's stopping you? He had this story about Didalis, who was this mythical inventor. He created wings made out of feathers and wax, all to escape the town of Crete. This is where he had his son, Icarus. So Icarus learned from his father how to fly that some of the back lore. His wings melted and he fell into the sea after he touched the sun. In that story, King Minos is the one who clipped his wings. It's like it's the same exact shit as the Native American story. The Greeks knew more about society than the Indians. That's why it's a little bit more Plato's cavey. They're going in society. You could fly, but if you fly too high, King Minos is going to clip your wings. And in Native American, they're just like, fly as close to the sun as possible. If you get to the sun, you might become a snake bird. It's just seeing the lies. Like, <laughs> Elon Musk's dad owned a Zambibian mine. And they try to say that he's new money. You know what I'm saying? Fly as high as you can. We live in a society, so they're going to clip a motherfucker's wings. When we forget the importance of being powerful, conscious creators, it is simply a matter of time before we begin to feel stagnant or stuck. And the longer we live in the cave of stuckness, the more difficult it becomes to leave. Consciously creating is what makes us feel alive. Creativity is a wonderful way to break the mindset habit of suffering because they are opposite pursuits. If you practice suffering, you're going to get good at it. So if you practice being happy, you get better at it. If you feel like creating is a waste of time, then just listen to something that inspires you. You know what's been on my recently played? I'm not afraid to take Eminem. That song must have got more people sober than Alcoholics Anonymous. Exercise my demons, make those motherfuckers do jumping jacks. Moving along. Chapter 5, The Jungle. we got six chapters today. This one's short. We're still on that topic of feeling stuck. He says what you're forgetting is the divinity is everywhere. So rather than watching something inspiring, just take a hike. Nature is the most amazing creation ever. This story we got coming up, it's a proper trip. A young Aztec boy, the son of a shaman, was visiting the deserted Mayan pyramids with his father. He marveled at their size and structure and wondered if it was possible for these people to build such impressive structures by themselves. He had heard rumors that the gods had descended from the sky to help the Mayans, and he wanted to know the secret. He kept asking his father until the man finally replied, You will find out when you go to sleep tonight, my son. That night, the boy fell asleep and had a dream. He dreamed he was standing in the middle of the jungle, but he experienced the jungle in a way he never had before. He heard every moment of the trees, the heartbeats of the animals, every leaf blowing in the wind. He sensed the incredible aliveness around him. He felt the connection to the earth. He realized that he was one with nature, with silence, stillness, and emptiness. He saw that there was no separation between material and spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Suddenly, he felt his attention focus on a colony of ants and the colossal mound that they had built. In his mind's eye, the creation of the mound appeared like a movie. First, he saw an empty patch of earth. Then a few ants began to move the earth, building the mound, and then a few more. 
He was one of them, and together they moved the soil with incredible precision. He marveled at the mound they had built from nothing. Before they began building, there was nothing, and now a colossal mound stood there thousands of times bigger than any individual ant. When he woke up the next morning, his father was sitting by his bed. Before he could say anything, his father said to him, The ants can build a mound so much bigger than themselves, and humans are much greater than ants. Don't let the voices in your mind fill you with doubt. Damn. My first Patreon hike was Mount Sinaitis. I stopped and did a full-on photo shoot of an ant mount. I think everybody that's done psychedelics has lived as an ant. Motherfucker, I've met the ant people in under earth. <laughs> They're climbing their mounds. I'm climbing mine. No, ants are communists. I'm not going to make that bullshit. My point is you don't need inspiration from tools of divinity. Just go outside. It kind of cures your doubt and depression somehow even though everything in nature wants to kill you <laughs> I don't know how it works it's a short ass chapter you know why is everyone feeling dead inside we're all compartmentalized beyond belief we don't live in fucking apartments we live in sensory deprivation tanks personal tip just change up your fucking environment like I have a whiteboard they say your optothalamus gets adjusted to your environment so if you change what you're looking at every single day, might not make you want to die. You hear that, Kid Cuddy? Fuck with the feng shui. <laughs> Chapter 6, the final one. The Devil's Cave. Talked a lot about the power of honoring the dead, personal rituals. Gonna try to end the story with The Devil's Cave. There was once a young Tolmec man who dreamed that he was walking in the desert on a hot summer day. As the sun shot down on him, off in the distance he could see a line of young men standing just outside a dark and foreboding cave. They were waiting to go inside, and as he looked closer he noticed that he could see their faces clearly. It was as if they were obscured by the energy they emitted and the fear of remorse. This is a very psychedelic thing. <laughs> faces. Seeing this, the young man looked up at the sun, which he recognized as the source of all life, and he knew what he must do. I want all these young men to be free to go into the sun. I will enter the cave in their place. He ran toward the front of the line, and the other men stepped back to make room for him. When he entered the cave, it was very dark, and suddenly he began to hear the faint voices and all telling different stories. No matter which voice he turned to, every one of them told a story of suffering. <laughs> it's like being in the cave, you still don't know who to listen to. Finally, the young man covered his ears, dropped to his knees, and yelled, Enough! Who's in charge here? I want to see you right now! All of a sudden, the cave went deadly silent. The young man opened his eyes, and there in front of him was a big demonic-looking creature with long black hair, black obsidian eyes, red skin, and horns. He began to yell in anger at the young man with a deep voice. How dare you! How dare you take the souls! I will free them upon the sun! The devil guy goes, The souls are mine. And the young man is full of fear, but somehow he found the courage to stand his ground. He goes, No, they belong to the sun, to the light. They don't belong to you. In that moment, the demon began laughing in mockery. Ha 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 ha! Who are you? You are weak. You are not worthy to challenge me. Then the demon reached out and grabbed the man by the back of his neck and began to pull the man toward him. He raised his other hand and began to strike, but the young man knew what to do. He stepped back and began hugging the demon. He hugged it tightly, and he said with all the love in his heart, I forgive you. How to kill a demon? 
with love. It reminds me of my one trip when I got swallowed by that etheric blanket of doom. And I was like, we are love. And fucking vegetted out of there, bro. (laughs) How fucking badass was that story, though? It's Moby Dick. The tools are inside of you. Ishmael and Ahab spend their whole life looking for Moby Dick. It's in you. Going full circle. This is going to be the crux of divergence. They give this girl mega acid, and she has to find her way out of the trip. And the only way she's able to do it is first by realizing that she's in a dream. And again, that's not me saying, we're all in a dream, God! The better I get at psychedelics, I feel like the trip is shorter because I can make it lucid quicker. And that's what life is, bro. You do your bullshit patterns until you're not even a human anymore. A search for truth. Like, you're progressing in something, so at least that keeps you mentally awake. It's my tip, bro. Look into the rabbit hole. I've expedited it for you if you don't want to waste time. That movie Divergent. The whole thing is about thinking creatively. Most people cannot do that, so they think you're doing black magic. <laughs> like my friends, what are you doing? Are you channeling? I don't fucking know, bro. I read a lot. And again, back to the conspiracy hole, that's what teaches you to entertain two truths at once. The mark of an educated mind is to be able to think about something without believing it. Going back to Kid Cudi, he just released that album, Passion, Pain, and Demon Slain. The Devil's Cave, it's an allegory about the subconscious. Every culture has a cave analogy. The voice in your head, the kid's getting confused down on his knee. Which voice should I listen to? (laughs) Don's going to try to tell you they're evil spirits. Give him a couple more quotes. Even the current myth of human origins, what science calls the Big Bang, contains a subtle idea of human unworthiness. In the Big Bang theory, the powerful life force that exists inside all of us, the Nagual, is somehow the result of a cosmic accident. While it's impossible to say for sure the idea that we are all unworthy was first introduced into human consciousness to tell me another manifestation of the mind's addiction to suffering. In other words, any time you believe you are unworthy, undeserving, or otherwise not enough, You are suffering in that moment. It's a lie. Just say that, bro. He made it all boot. You're suffering. No, you're being lied to, dude. The fucking social contract, original sin, the Big Bang. (laughs) Like, unless you're deep on philosophy, bro, it's all Gnostic horseshit. That's a good quote right there. I'm revved up. (laughs) Like, where did all this fucking unworthiness start? With the bureaucratic Roman Catholic Church? Not really, this shit is ancient. (sighs) Unworthiness. These are all ideologies, I'm telling you, of self-helplessness. Quote, These tools are yours. They are the tools of the sun, the moon, the jungle, the river, the animals, and most importantly, they all point to the power that comes from within you. This is the wisdom of the shaman. Ladies and gentlemen, Don Miguel Ruiz. Wisdom of the Shaman. Like I said, we're definitely going deeper on these topics. Non-materialism. It's a goodie. Let me know what you guys think. I've been trying to articulate these ideas better. Next week on the show, we got a mystery edition. Harry Schwant, get some free memes over there. Patreon.com slash Anish Ghost Support. Check out that id ego super ego video. Let me get a random soundboard effect to end it. 
the demon in the cave, motherfucker. Who you gonna listen to? Sit on your cactus, feed the eagle, and I'll see you in seven short days. Nick Muniz signing off.